This is Dan Figella, and you're joining me in episode 3 of 12 of our special AI Futures Saturday series. As you'll recall from the last couple weekends, this first 12-part series is about the future of governing artificial intelligence. We're going to begin with the early phases of AI governance, and we're going to build all the way up to what that's going to look like in the long term and how AI might radically transform how we govern or even how humans interact with machines. We're going to be stretching things into the future. So this is going to be a lot of fun. And today we're still in the early phases and we're speaking with someone who has expertise in exactly that. Konstantinos Karachalios is the managing director of the IEEE Standards Association. The IEEE, for those of you who don't know, they've been around for over 100 years, developed the standards for things like Wi-Fi and countless other technologies among the largest organizations of their kind in the world, and Konstantinos plays an important role there. Before that, he was with the European Patent Office, and his experience included establishing the European Patent Office's Patent Academy. Konstantinos has a PhD in energy engineering and a master's in mechanical engineering from the University of Stuttgart, and in this week's episode, he speaks with us about beginning the early phases of developing AI standards and policies for particular and individual use cases. In this episode, we talk about using the data of children, for example, for marketing purposes. So essentially, we're talking about baby steps towards actual policy. Last week's episode with the OECD with Karine, we had talked about beginning with AI principles. This is about kind of inching a bit farther and finding those first places to find a policy fit. Konstantinos does a great job of describing it, and he also paints a picture of what that might look like into the future. So this is an awfully fun episode. I had Konstantinos on two years ago. I've supported the IEEE's ethically aligned design AI work in our editorial coverage here at Emerge.com in the past, and I like what they're up to. Make sure you don't miss any future episodes of this series or any of our other podcasts by being subscribed to the newsletter. Go to emerj.com, down in the footer of emerge.com. You're going to see an opportunity to enter your email address. You can opt out at any time, but that'll make sure that you get all of these episodes in addition to all of the new research, new white papers, and other articles that we come out with about the return on investment of AI, the use cases of AI, and the future impact of AI. So subscribe at emerge.com if you're not already. Without further ado, we're going to fly into this episode with Konstantinos from the IEEE here on this special AI Futures series. So, Konstantinos, we'll start off just with the topic of global governance for artificial intelligence in general. There's folks that argue for it or against it. When do you think global governance might be a good idea or bad idea? Under what circumstances? So, I think uh, many people now start to realize, and now there are many more than there were three, four years ago, that we have to really have a closer look at these emerging technologies and systems. So they are not new, but their application is new, and uh, perhaps uh, their performance they, it is getting better and better. And you know that I'm very cautious to use the term artificial intelligence. I'm not uh, a supporter of this terminology, I, mm. but let's say let's keep it for okay. brevity now. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, for the sake of uh, canonicals. So, uh, 
I'm talking about algorithmic decision-making systems. There we go. Okay. I mean, uh, there are systems that uh, somehow extend our intelligence. Uh, they help us to, uh, to make sense of big data and to recognize patterns and so on. And they can be very helpful. In the same time, they can be used also for, uh, let's say, for other reasons like mass surveillance and uh, control and so on. So this is really, and these are all dual technologies, the same technologies that can be used to do a very practical uh, task, uh, to recognize uh, images and so on, can be used also to survey people for political reasons. So how can you deal with this? And the same technologies can be used for... Uh, so it is, the, let's say, the domain of dual-use technology per se. Yes. These systems. And uh, there are many also companies who want to do the right thing. And there are also increasingly more and more governments who have promised to the people and governments at the level of municipalities, they talk about the public administrations, can be at the level of municipalities or at the level of, uh, let's say, regional governments or national governments and so on. They are using intensively such systems for prediction, for planning, for resource allocation, for uh, providing services to their citizens and so on. And uh, they want to show that they do the right thing. Yep. So they promise, uh, some of them, they declare the principles uh, like the city of New York or the city of Vienna and uh, in Finland and in Amsterdam. So we see a lot. They have even an, a, an association of city CTOs who really care about these things and try to coordinate their efforts. So just to come to, uh, directly to your uh, question, they are promising to the citizens that they are doing the right thing. But, you know, this is the question of uh, Caesar and uh, his wife. It is not enough that the wife of Caesar is a good wife. She must be uh, above it, censure. It must be also It must be also somehow demonstrable. That it must be evident that she's a good wife. <laughs> the wife of Caesar must, must be above censure. Yes, indeed. These, yes. These, these things are known. And so, such was that famous divorce. But, yeah, so what does that, what, is it, what does it mean? So the question is, so the question yeah. is how can these uh, players who really have good intentions show to the people that their good intentions are really putting the money where is their mouth. <laughs> so there is an increasing, an increasing demand and market for tools that are doing the right thing. And this is, we see this, and we are engaging with public actors and also with private sector actors and so on. And we decided to do something, but I can talk a bit more about this. So my question is, there is a need for local governance. Yep. Okay. At the level of uh, starting at the level of municipalities and perhaps at the level also of states. And in the European Union, uh, Ursula von der Leyen, the new head of the Commission, she had uh, really promised a plan within 100 days. They are not uh, getting there, but uh, this shows uh, the political, uh, let's say, urgency. They feel something has to, uh, to, to happen. So, my one sentence answer to your question is uh, that there is time for action. And at every level, the different actors, they have to assume their share of responsibility. But it is a share of responsibility. Uh, nobody can assume the full responsibility. Uh, and this is uh, really the difficult thing, but also the fascinating thing here, which enables really more flexibility and more uh, agency over our actions. For instance, the legislators should legislate. Some of them have been doing, for instance, what should happen with the data of children online. 
and how should they be treated? Because yeah. there, are algor- there are algorithms taking the children data and using them to make the children addictive to platforms. And this is happening. So there are legislators who saw this. They say, okay, we have to stop this. So they passed a law. The regulators come and say, okay, for this law to be implemented, we need really a code, the regulation. And they work on uh, such regulations. And this is happening. This is not fiction. Yep, yep, yep. But they cannot go further down to the last detail. That means we, the technical community and the private sector, we have to come up with our own, own standards and recommendations. What we see is practical and uh, would be a good practice and... Uh, and so on. That means we have to work together for this whole chain. It is, let's say, the legislator, the regulator, the technical communities and the private sector. We have to come from bottom up to meet the others who come from top down. And then we can have a system that will at least, at least respect the rights of the most vulnerable among us because this is not happening now and we cannot continue like this. Another sentence that I'm using is that the time of innocence is over. We cannot anymore assume we didn't know, let's say it is not feasible and so on. We know and we should do something. So my <laughs> yeah. answer is yeah. yes for a governance. Now, whether they, it can be a global one, of course, this is more difficult. Yes, and, yes. Because this is a kind of treaty and can be take too much time. So my take is, uh, and of course, we are supportive to the efforts of uh, Wendell. We are part of his uh, initiative were very, yeah, very yeah. engaged there. And of course, we will try. Eh? Although it is not formal, it is informal, but uh, we have to make progressos at global level. But I believe, and this is what we are doing, and this would be our contribution to Wendell's efforts, is let's try to solve the problem at the level of municipality. Because at the municipality level, the municipality at the level of New York City or Vienna or uh, uh, some innovative cities, uh, many around the world, there are uh, a lot of them. And we are in contact with them. How can we govern the application and development of AI at, at this level? Because 60% perhaps of humanity, they live in cities. And if we can find good ways to govern the, these systems, at the municipal level, then we have solved a lot of problems. We have shown it can be done. Okay. And then it can be escalated also at the level of the state and perhaps globally. So we should not give up, let's say, the effort for a global governance, but we should, in the same time, start also from the bottom. And because the bottom is where things happen, and the bottom is not really diminutive here, the bottom is really at the same time the, the summit. Eh? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. The citizens. So, so does it answer your question? Yes, yes, yes. Let me, let me, I'll try to clarify where we've gotten to. So we have a lot to cover here, but I appreciate you lending your perspective. It sounds like, clearly, again, I'm familiar with the IEEE's work. We've you know followed and, and been supportive of what you folks have done in ethically aligned design. Um, for our listeners who are tuned in, Konstantinos is referring to Wendell Wallach, who is working on some efforts around potentially global AI governance. Unfortunately, that event has been pushed off this year, Konstantinos. It would have been nice to see you out in Prague, but hopefully we'll, we'll find another time to connect. I'm going to nutshell your point here for the audience and see if I'm on the right page, and then we're going to build from here. So it sounds like for you, there are near-term considerations around AI. Now, you're using the use of data for children to, to help algorithms engage them, which could be quite addictive, which could be maybe we think manipulative and not good. And of course, there's many different perspectives there. But regardless, that's one issue. So we can talk about a singular, you know, we can talk about issues we believe in, issues that that we can stand on. We can anchor down to a more local level and find a way to really turn these things into 
you know, governable, uh, enforceable sort of legislature. And then, and then of course, like you had said, there's an ecosystem. So we need the standards bodies. We need the, the private sector to come together and then to be able to build technical frameworks around what, what the legal frameworks are exactly. there as well. So it sounds like starting there is important for you. Just as a bit of a lay of the land, you know, you're talking about data for children. What are some other near-term kind of AI applications where this kind of local governance for you yeah. is a great place to start? What are some other good examples? Because I know you guys are looking at a lot of different yeah. cities here. Yeah. So there is, uh, for instance, uh, the creating of uh, sandboxes at municipal level where uh, industry and uh, also other possible applicants they can use. And this includes uh, data sets, it includes algorithmic systems, it includes, uh, it includes expertise and so on. And how we can organize such a, a kind of AI commons at a municipal level with some rules for engagement, some rules what things can come in, what things can be taken out and used and the conditions. And there are some, let's say, frameworks, legal frameworks uh, that have been theoretically worked out in the past. And now we can start adopting them. And uh, we have been uh, in contact with some uh, big municipalities advising them how to do it and some of them they have gone really down this path they have uh, now they're asking for uh, institutions that can help them implement it this is one possible application which is governance because these sandboxes they have a very concrete governance what what are some what are some of the range of use cases occurring in those sandboxes i can think about managing traffic i can think about determining jail sentences i can think about a bajillion potential near term accessible ai use so cases in the is, public sector let's say for a city like new york for instance sure. they have a lot of uh, let's say algorithmic decision making systems a lot hmm. all of them let's say it is not about them it is about uh, systems that industry can be used to solve problems and also the city can put there some of, of the systems what you are talking about now about uh, the municip- municipal uh, services we have uh, we are doing there a work which is uh, let's say developing tools that can assess the quality of the systems regarding some uh, fundamental requirements that have emerged at the top of all uh, ai principles, uh, uh, let's say, lists. For instance, transparency for such algorithmic systems has been uh, at the top of all AI principles around the world. Another one is uh, responsibility, accountability. And the third one is fairness and uh, lack of bias. These three things cover a lot. Now, how can we prove that the systems used by a, a big city really are fulfill some level of quality regarding these three big requirements. Yeah, Let's say transparency yeah. and explainability. The other is responsibility and accountability. And the third is fairness and uh, reduce of uh, bias. Yeah. And not just by self-checking some, uh, some uh, checklists. Because the, the, uh, we need really to be more thorough there. So we have been developing at IEEE since... Uh, Four years we've been developing standards around these things, yeah. and we have accelerated, and we have created now a system. It is a kind of certification system. It is a certification system, which is very thorough, very detailed, with a, let's say some 500 criteria which are measurable, <laughs> and the people should not freak out. Not all of them uh, should be used or uh, are necessary to be used for every system, yeah. but we have thought this through. 
Yeah? And not only the, these criteria are measurable with uh, and can be assessed the level of their fulfillment. Not only yes, no, but also the level. And with this, we can have a pretty good picture of the quality of these algorithmic systems. So this is a certification scheme which can result to a badge and it is not uh, one-off because, I mean, the trick with these systems is that they change their behavior. It may sound logical today, next day it can go wrong. Eh? And uh, there have yep. been some cases eh? and you know them better than I know. For eh? sure. So that means they have to be tracked and monitored. Eh? So, and we have done this. IEEE has done this. And we have also published now a press release about this. Now we do not, uh, it will not be IEEE who will do the certification because we cannot scale it, but we will make these specifications and our expertise and the tacit knowledge and all that we have available to organizations and institutions who can be the, uh, the certifiers. And this can be the big consultancy companies or, yeah. a, or even a municipality, a, a city can certify itself and its vendors and so on. I'm, I'm following you. I'm just going to, I'm a little wary of time. So, um, I, I, and I, we, we have, uh, have and will continue to cover some of the, the work on the IEEE, what you folks are doing there. Clearly standards are part of it. As you said, if we're going to start at a municipality level and we want to believe, hey, are these decisions being made in some ethical method? If we can take a lot of time and a lot of experts, and one thing I know about the IEEE is you pool a lot of experts into these efforts. If we can come up with standards that actually represent those values, then that is a place to start. Do you see the municipalities as being a borderline necessary precursor for national governance in different regards? Uh, or do you see it could come from either direction? What's your perspective there? It could there? come. It could come. Uh, in our case, we have received strong interest both from governments and from municipalities. And we don't make any distinction. We, we give priority to the public sector, but we have received also from very big companies who want really to use uh, these tools we have uh, and the expertise yeah. to assess the quality of the systems and to make it visible to the market or to the citizens. And this is good news. Yeah, I, I think it is. I think, I, again, it's part of the ecosystem, like you said, right? We have regulators. We're going to have people that are kind of advocating awareness. We have, you know, schmucks like myself that are just getting everybody's perspective on the line who has something smart to say and trying to get a lot of ideas out in the air so people can think about where they fit in. So I think there's there's a bunch in the mix here, but standards is certainly part of it. When you think, uh, Constantinos, about getting to some semblance of global governance, it, it feels to me like something like, okay, how we handle our legal cases Maybe America will do that on its own. Maybe Norway will do it on its own. Maybe Europe is going to want to be on the same page. Maybe they don't need to be on the same page with China. Something like autonomous lethal weapons, something about human rights. There are people that sort of think, okay, there should be some sort of broader set of rules around how this how this comes about. And other people do argue against that, that there really isn't a place for global governance writ large. Are there yeah. topics that you think deserve such governance? And if so, how? A lot of things deserve governance, but again, globally, globally, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. But again, I mean, we do not agree globally on anything right now. Oh, that's true. That's true. So this is why I would start really uh, practically. Let's start where people want really to do it. They want, they feel there is a need of governance and then do it there because there are also people who say or interests and lobbies who say, we don't need any governance. The market, uh, the jungle will solve it all. The big animal will eat the small one and this is good. Be happy. Yeah? And uh, this is uh, what prevails right now as ideology, uh, as a matter of fact. So what I'm saying, it sounds modest, but it is not. 
That means let's start at a level where we can show that good governance can work. And once we have established some good examples, we can go against the people of the jungle. Got it. We need need some rules. Hey, there we go. I like that. That's an interesting yeah. that's an interesting approach. You're saying, yeah, the jungle being the state of nature. So countries, companies, they're all self-interested. They're all going to do what they do. If they're not breaking existing laws, let's let them go. Um, no, they can break. I mean, uh, the point is they break all existing laws. Many because of them the do, law, yeah. Because the law is, uh, let's say, some defense against the jungle. But they say we don't need it. This is we don't need global conventions. We don't need any global organizations anymore. Just let the jungle prevail. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And uh, so this is where we are right now. Eh? And uh, I, I so, think I think there's voices on both sides. I mean, I think there's plenty of people in Europe that frankly think nothing of innovation and think only of regulation, right? So I, I think there's people that are a little too far on both sides of the coin. But yeah, if we look at the state of AI governance globally today, you're right. It is it presently doesn't have really much at all. And I think what you're saying is if we're going to start, let's have traction somewhere where we can actually measure it, exactly. look at it, and brag about exactly. it. Yeah, I think that's a an interesting sort of taken. And, and I think one that there's a strong argument there in terms of, hey, if we can prove this, if we can show how we've made better decisions about, you know, sending people traffic fines or determining jail sentences or, you know, using data in certain contexts, and we really genuinely feel better about the way we're leveraging these new technologies and the people are behind it, then maybe that will want to expand to a national level that are want to expand to even an international level in some cases. And so the Petri dish, I guess, is, is the theory yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, I think, a very interesting, yep, I think that's an interesting take. When you consider, you know, as you aptly said, Konstantinos, you know, the world doesn't agree about (laughs) very much right now. There's a lot of things that folks are kind of bickering back and forth about. Do you think that international governance will become more important when the technology becomes more powerful? In other words, are there certain thresholds of power and capability here when international governance won't be a nice to have, but will be a need to have in your mind? So, again... I'm in favor of rules, of rules that we as free people really decide and impose upon ourselves. People, this is the invention of democracy. Yes. And I'm against the rule of the jungle. So I'm in favor of rules and also rules in technology. They are very important because the field of science and technology, this is a major actor. It is not just, it is not just a tool. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is much more than this. It it is a socio-technical system. It is not just technical. We have to, uh, and for us as technical people, we have to assume our part of responsibility. We have to start self-reflecting about the context in which we are doing what we are doing, uh, and uh, in which it will be used what we are doing. We cannot anymore just assume that we are just good people uh, solving technical problems and uh, there are other people who screw what we are doing and doing bad things. This is partly true, but partly we have also to assume our responsibility and do a better design from the beginning, build uh, some mechanisms in the systems if they are so complex that uh, we can really uh, get some control over them. And this is part of our responsibility and nobody can assume our responsibility. It is ours. We cannot assume the responsibility of the legislators or the regulators, but we should assume ours. This is my point. Yep. Uh, you, you did mention democracy there, so you, you seem to, you, you've got a team here you're rooting for, and I'm unabashedly with you on that front. As we wrap up here, I'm thinking about kind of what the takeaways are for folks that are involved in governance, you know, policymakers or, or even business folks. It sounds as though part of your advice and guidance is, hey, 
let's really think hard about where we would want to double down, where we don't want to allow certain you know, violations of certain values to, to yeah. happen, where we do want to yeah. harden our edges, yeah. and, then, and then let's actually get something measurable there. And that, that early progress that some people can stick a stake in and say, yes. this actually happened, it sounds like that's really your brunt takeaway here. Yes, and uh, very clearly, we have chosen an area where we think it is extremely sensitive, extremely important also, and this is to respect the rights of children online. Yeah, nice. To have a beachhead for what you guys are doing, I think, probably is, is, qu- is quite important. Yeah. You, pr- you probably about the future. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. Not, it is not yeah. about protecting the children. It is about respecting their right for a childhood. Yeah, yeah. Which is totally disrespected. I do think that finding a cause that a lot of people can get behind is going to be part of the tricky process of getting these concrete examples that you were talking about. And so I think actually, you know, another interesting takeaway for the audience, Constantinos, is for the folks tuned in to think about what are those facets of how data is used, algorithms are leveraged, decisions are made that essentially everybody could get behind to make the world a little bit better. And I think there's differing opinions and I have to respect that. And we're going to have people on for with all kinds of opinions, but to really hash that out, like you had said, if we can find something people can get behind, now we can actually get some concrete examples. So that that sounds like a good takeaway. So my point is let's get from principles to practice and let's choose a field where most of us can agree. Hey, I think that that is the perfect closing note, Constantinos. And frankly, I hope that both the private sector and the, the policymaker world can uh, can agree to, if nothing else, at least that last statement. So I know that's all we have for time, but thank you so much for being able to join us here on the podcast, Constantinos. My great pleasure as always, Dan. Hope to see you soon. Bye. So that's a wrap on episode three of the special AI Futures series. We have another nine episodes to go. Every Saturday, we're going to be dripping out new episodes with illustrious guests on this topic of AI governance. We're going to be moving more and more over these episodes towards governing AI in the future when it becomes vastly more powerful. We've got some great voices ahead, so be sure to stay tuned next Saturday. This coming Tuesday, we're getting back into AI use cases. As you know, Tuesday, we talk about use cases. Thursday, we talk about making the business case and the the return on investment and actual deployment of AI. So enjoy next week's episodes as well, and I hope to catch you on the weekend too. Uh, If you've had some ideas about this futures series and you'd like to share them with us, you can go to emerj.com slash pod and then the number three, that's pod three, that's going to send you to a one-question survey, literally a one-question survey, to get your thoughts on what you think about this series. Do you want to see it as a separate podcast because you don't like it in the business podcast? Do you want to see more episodes like this on the AI and business podcast? I'm really interested in what our listeners want. Almost every change we've done to the podcast has been based on listener feedback, and this is no exception. So I'd love your thoughts on that if you'd like to fill out the survey. Otherwise, stay tuned for next Tuesday, and I'll catch you here on the AI and business podcast. Thank you.